So first, let me take just a moment and to thank Jared and Linnea and the rest of the team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When Jared says that his first impulse was to run toward the crisis, that was exactly what we needed. And the gap and the stability and the excellence that you've provided, not just in the last few months, but throughout your time here, uh, is extraordinarily appreciated and will be deeply, deeply missed. So um, we do indeed know that God has chess pieces on the board, and he moves them at his will, not ours. So we're imagining that God is going to use, uh, what would you like to be, a bishop, king, queen? <laughs> okay, indeed, on, the, on God's chessboard, and we'll see what he is going to do next, right? Yeah, indeed. Uh, and then secondly, I want to thank all of you who stayed last week after the service to help us make this place begin to look a lot like Christmas. So thank you all very much. Uh, thanks for Jared for uh, coordinating it uh, because it does indeed help with our Advent preparations uh, when it looks the part here in our worship center. Speaking of Advent, I mean, how does it feel to you that we're suddenly in the Advent season here at Evergreen? Uh, did it sneak up on you like it, like it did on me? Um, especially with what we've been going through since September. And we're still going through, even now. Does it feel a bit strange and maybe even out of place in the midst of this trouble to, uh, to step into the Christmas season, Advent season? Now, may, maybe it's actually comforting to you to come into the sanctuary and find that things do indeed move on, uh, even without some of our most familiar faces here. Uh, during my first month of interim pastoral ministry, it's been my plan to build my sermons around themes that address, and sometimes even if indirectly, that address our continuing sense of pain and loss and sorrow uh, over the loss of, of the valued friends and leaders that had been our staff. And I hope there has been some value for you as we've looked to the Psalms for help. Now, I think it's important that we return to our issues as a church after the first of the year, and we will. But this is Advent. This is the time for us to turn our eyes toward the pivot point in human history. The, the, the pivot point in cosmic history, the incarnation. And our God, our God, as Eugene Peterson puts it in uh, his message translation of John's gospel, our God put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I mean, what a stunning reality that is. Now, Advent, of course, means coming. Something is coming. And when we know that something is coming, when we know in advance that something is coming, we can prepare for it. 
And that's what the season of Advent has done throughout the history of the church in every conceivable time, place, and, and context. Advent gives us time to prepare our hearts, to adequately prepare our hearts to receive freshly and intensely the, the, uh, the, the reality that our God became a human being for the singular purpose of saving us from ourselves and from the power of the evil one. Now, I've chosen this uh, very familiar verse to build our Advent worship around this year, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. <laughs> so not always thought of as a Christmas verse, um, but I think it will provide a wonderful way for us to, to prepare us for the coming of Christ's, uh, for the celebration of Christ's coming. Now the worst thing, the very worst thing that can happen to Christians at, uh, at this time of year is that we end up unprepared to actually worship the Christ child on Christmas morning. And so we set aside this season called Advent just to make sure that we've thought enough about it, that we've prepared to comprehend this profound mystery and to celebrate this amazing reality for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let's do that. Let's turn our full attention from our trouble here and place it squarely on preparing, uh, to preparing ourselves for a true celebration, a worthy celebration of what God has done. Shall we? Now to get us in the mood for Christmas, I thought of some books. These are certain, really, to get anyone in the mood for Christmas. Uh, here's C. Clement Moore's classic from uh, 1822, The Night Before Christmas. Well, it's not exactly as Mr. Moore envisioned it, uh, because it's the Berenstain Bears, uh, but it's really the same story. It was the night before Christmas, all through the house. And, and here are some books that I'd never seen before. This one, um, uh, Peppa's Christmas Wish. <laughs> Peppa the Pig. You know, Peppa has, a, has, has been a good little pig all year long, and she has a secret Christmas wish. But when they open the presents on Christmas morning, there's no present for Peppa. She's been forgotten, she says sadly. Santa has forgotten me. But wait, as Santa turns to head back to the North Pole, there's one gift left in the sleigh. And guess who it's for? So as Santa arrives to hand deliver the present, Peppa happily announces that her wish had been to see Santa. Merry Christmas, Peppa. <laughs> now here's a book about the elf on the shelf, uh, which... I understand, is a popular line of toys. Uh, Chippy's Great Adventure, in which Chippy the elf ends up successfully getting a skeptical boy to believe in 
Santa. So mission accomplished, chippy. And then I found this one, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> so this, <laughs> I don't think this is destined to become a timeless classic, but of, <laughs> it's a story, uh, I mean, it's well-named anyway, the reason for the season. And so, of course, it's a story about how Alvin learned not to be selfish with his gifts. So, anything missing from this picture? <laughs> it's not just books. Beginning the day after Halloween on many radio stations and certainly on satellite radio, we've been hearing the all Christmas, all the time format. Christmas music, 24 hours a day, all the classics by the original artists, Bing Crosby, on Dreaming of a White Christmas, um, uh, Nat King Cole singing about chestnuts roasting and, and Jack Frost nipping, and then, of course, Burl Ives, uh, have a holly jelly Christmas, and we couldn't have Christmas without Elvis singing, I'll have a blue, blue Christmas without you, and then certainly Gene Autry singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I mean, and that's just the oldies, because as you know, every recording artist is compelled to have a Christmas album, right? <laughs> Great songs. But something's missing. So, or, or holiday movies. Uh, Natalie Wood, the original Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, Don, uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And did you know this? This is the 38th anniversary of a Christmas story with Ralphie and, and the gang and his official Red Rider carbine and BB gun. Um, and then uh, the Santa Claus. One, two, three. <laughs> Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And then in theaters this week, a brand new one just for Christmas a furry little Christmas. <sighs> How did we get along <laughs> without that? <laughs> so books and music, movies and TV, classic stories, and some pretty forgettable stories. Everywhere we turn, what is missing from this picture? <laughs> we have learned how to have Christmas without having God. I mean, it's possible. It's even normal in our culture to have a complete and really quite a lovely Christmas season without a single reference to or even a thought about God, who, by rights, ought to be the central feature of any Christmas celebration. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is, by definition, must be the central reality of our Christmas experience. But somehow our culture has successfully bumped God out of Christmas. Now think about that for a minute. Not the shame of it, not, not, the, not the where is this world headed of it, 
But just think of the fact of it. That we could completely write God out of Christmas. I mean, it is a stunning achievement. <laughs> I mean, who knows when it started? I remember my grandmother spoke of her grandmother complaining about it. <laughs> so whenever this trend started, it's now pretty much complete. God has been completely written out of a celebration in his honor. <laughs> Galatians 4 tells us that when the time arrived that was set by God, the Father, God sent the Son, born of a woman, born under conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. That's what happened on the first Christmas. And that's what our observance of the day has been meant to mean and to celebrate ever since. I mean, God looked ahead into cosmic history and established the exact moment when this immense a miracle would take place. God became a human being. God set the incarnation in process, taking on human flesh. It was God's purpose to, to save human beings from sin and from death. It was God, start to finish. And so to write God out of this script is, I mean, it, it's absurd. I mean, I've been, I've been racking my brain trying to come up with something that would be similarly absurd. And, and so imagine this, the Super Bowl. Imagine that we continue generation into the future to set aside a Sunday early in February as Super Bowl Sunday. Can you picture it? Super Bowl 150. <laughs> and not only the Sunday, but the weeks leading up to it. All the hype, all the analysts, uh, the player profiles, the talking heads going on and on uh, and on. <laughs> all the anticipation, all the block parties, the big screens, all the bean dip and the Bud Light. You know. But then imagine that somewhere along the way, they had actually stopped playing the game. <laughs> I mean, what if they kept the clever ads... And the over-the-top halftime show, but never got around to playing the game. I mean, wouldn't someone notice? <laughs> Maybe not. But nonetheless, shouldn't it strike us as absurd? Keep the sideshows and stop bothering with the main event? <laughs> and that is what we've done with Christmas. I mean, we could... We could probably name a hundred ways that our culture has replaced uh, God at Christmas. And Santa, Santa Claus, one, two, and three. Santa is the most obvious, but even Santa had religious roots. You know, he, he started out as St. Nicholas, the, the bishop of Myra in Greece uh, during the fourth century. But now he's just a jolly fat guy who, who wears a red suit and lives on solid ice and gives increasingly expensive toys to children at Christmas. 
Who needs God when you've got Santa? Or we can easily see that maybe the dollar sign has replaced God at Christmas. So how was your Christmas? Well, it was great. Revenues were up 15%. Most retailers, as we know, either make it or break it because of their Christmas season. And so that's why the decorations go up just before Halloween and and Black Friday actually starts on Thursday. (laughs) And there's some other things, not so obvious, that have bumped God out of Christmas. Travel, recreation, mention God, mention Christmas to some people, and immediately their first thought is skiing in Utah or a beach in Hawaii. But we haven't just bumped God out of Christmas. We've actually replaced him with other things, with things that feel worthy, with feel like ideals. God substitutes that provide an altogether new meaning for Christmas. Children, childlikeness. Christmas is about the children. And about being childlike. Uh, Just the other day I heard Kenny Rogers singing, Children are the spirit of Christmas. So be a child whether you're 2 or 92. So it's not up there with Bing Crosby. But, you know, uh, listen in the weeks to come how often this particular theme comes up in stories and in songs and in movies. Children get it at Christmas, we say. They're not jaded and cynical like adults. They're wide-eyed and innocent. They believe people are good and kind. They're full of wonder. Children are what Christmas is all about. Romance and nostalgia. So how much of what is done at this time of the year is an effort to recreate a feeling about Christmas? And would we even care about Christmas if it weren't for that feeling? I mean, I know how this works. I can't open a box of Christmas decorations uh, without a flood of memories. You know, my mom and my dad and my my family when I was a child. uh, Buying a present for my first girlfriend in eighth grade. I bought her a doll, but I think she really wanted a moon ring. My first Christmas with Martha. Uh, Our children when they were little. uh, The ornaments they made in preschool. uh, It just floods over me. You know what I mean, right? Warm memories of Christmas past drive the commercial Christmas machine. But like all God's substitutes, memories and feelings can be a double-edged sword. And for those who have experienced great loss or for whom their memories of Christmas aren't all warm and cozy, the Christmas season can become something to endure, not to celebrate. Another thing that we've used to replace God at Christmas, worthy things, family and togetherness. I mean, it just wouldn't be Christmas without but without being with our families. And so we orient our whole approach to Christmas around making family 
togetherness, the central feature of our Christmas celebration, (laughs) even if our families drive us crazy. (laughs) And busyness, you know. Every year we say that we're, we're so busy during Christmas that we didn't enjoy it until it's over. That this year we're going to slow down, right? And we're going to simplify. We're going to get back to the real spirit of Christmas. But we never do. Every year we shop till we drop. We write a card to everyone who wrote us a card in the last five years. Uh, We bake. We decorate. We have people over. We go to every event. We go to every party. We're just as busy as we were in years past. Or maybe busier. And maybe... Our culture uses this busyness as just another way to keep God at an arm's length during Christmas. So, now, it's easy for us. This is, I'm preaching to the choir, right? (laughs) Everybody sing. Um, It's easy for us here in the church to look around and and to see what I'm talking about in other people, right? But as shocking as this may sound, I'm not talking to other people today. (laughs) I'm going to propose that we too, Christians, have fallen into an experience of Christmas in which God is only one of the things we like about Christmas. And maybe not even the main thing. (laughs) Now we don't do it on purpose. But I think we do it just the same. We nod our heads toward God at Christmas, but for us, just like for the rest of America, it just wouldn't be Christmas without the children, without being with our families, without the foods, the traditions, the decorations, the warm feelings, the the memories of Christmas past, without all the busyness. I mean, is is it true? Would you give up all that Christmas is in our culture if it really meant worshiping God at Christmas? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, would you do that? I think that's an important question. It's a revealing question. It's a question we should be able to answer without a moment's hesitation. Yes, Yes, I would absolutely give up all of my favorite things about Christmas and the way they make me feel if it meant having more of God as the central reality of the Christmas season. We should be willing to do that. But I don't think God asks that of us. I mean, putting God in the center of our Christmas celebration, where he belongs, does not mean dumping everything that we love about the season. Putting God at the center of Christmas, well, actually, that helps transform everything else we love about Christmas from obscuring God, it transforms it into a deep and profound reminder that God so loves us that he would go to any length to save us from ourselves and from the power of sin over us and from the evil one. So, (laughs) 
How can we refocus our experience of Christmas so that God is at the very center of it all? Transforming all the things that we do and experience and love about Christmas. It's preparation and then the actual event. Well, so, so here are four things, quick, quick ways, I think, to get us thinking about God and his gift of salvation as though they were the central features of your Christmas celebration this year. So the first thing is this. Just take stock. Sit down. Take a few moments, either by yourself or with your family or friends. Sit down and evaluate the way you celebrate Christmas. Is God central? How central? A little central or a lot central? (laughs) And what's the evidence of that? How much time and energy is spent drawing close to God and honoring him compared to all those other things that we do to make Christmas happen in our homes. Take stock. Just be honest with yourself and God. That's a starting place. Second, just be alert. I mean, simply be alert. Look for ways to connect your beloved experiences of Christmas with an experience of God. Now, it may sound simple, But this is very profound. I mean, think about the decorations in your home. Look at them. I'm thinking we have a little um, ornament that we hang on our tree. It's an angel blowing a trumpet. If we don't stop and make the connection, we just hang that up on the tree and move to the next one. You know, we've got a Ken Griffey doll that we also hang on the on the on the tree. But when I stop and I look at that ornament, I think about the angel Gabriel proclaiming to the shepherds in the field this incredible moment in which God entered the human race as a, as a human being and how excited the rest of the angels were. They couldn't bear to stay in heaven. They had to break through into our dimension and proclaim the greatness of God. Just take a moment. And be alert because everywhere you look, there's an opportunity to think about God and connect with him. The carols, the the lights remind you that we are reliving and honoring the most remarkable thing of human history. God took on flesh. And remember to connect the, the love and warmth of Christmas in your family with the joy of knowing that you are now part of God's family, beloved children adopted into his family as full children of the heavenly God. That's you. That's me. As you look around at your family gathered this year, whether they drive you nuts or not, remember that part. I am part of God's family now. Make the connections. Be alert to God. Uh, third, um, have, have the courage to change a few traditions or to make some new ones which might help you honor God better this Christmas. Uh, 
So years ago, Martha and I injected a Christmas pageant into what had been a very secular holiday celebration with her family. We had her parents and her sister dress up as innkeepers and wise men and shepherds and angels, and we acted out the Christmas story with our children every year. And they were good sports about it all, and it changed the whole tenor of our time together. So make an Advent candle board and light them with an with a Advent reading as we approach Christmas. You can find out how to do that on the internet in just a, a snap. It takes courage to introduce new traditions into your family during Christmas. But if a new tradition helps bring God into a more central place of your celebration, do it. Do it. And then fourth. Find a way to be of service at Christmas. Serve meals at a street mission. Sing carols at a care center. Do a, a shut-in visit. Uh, help a disadvantaged family. Something to be of service to someone else. It may be your neighbor. Uh, it may be a, a mission. It, someone, anyone. This is especially important if you have young children. Uh, Acts of service at Christmas time help children shift the focus from us to them, from others, from ourselves to others. And it's important for adults too, especially if you're feeling lonely or unimportant during Christmas. Be of service to someone. It will change the way you experience Christmas. Christmas without God is a contradiction in terms. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did that. Which is why we even have Christmas. So this year, make sure that he is at the very center of it. Because it just wouldn't be Christmas without God.